Parenting is hard. As my dad has always said, there are two things in life that we are never taught to do, and they are the two most important things we will ever do, and that is marriage and parenting. And so I've been so excited to get someone on the podcast to talk about how we can dive in, lean in, and be even better parents. And today I'm interviewing Kimball Lewis. Kimball is the CEO of a company called EmpoweringParents.com, which also houses a program called the Total Transformation Program, which really focuses on helping parents navigate challenging problems with their children. Problems like a child who's being disrespectful, who's arguing, who's defiant, lacking motivation, and all of those things. So I ask him a ton of questions in this interview of just what are the challenges you're seeing in being a parent in this world? How can we really respond to our children in a way that helps them to end with better behavior? rather than modeling worse behavior in trying to to talk to them in order to get different behavior out of them. What I mean by that is we know that yelling doesn't work, but yet parents seem to end up yelling because they get so frustrated because their child's not doing what they want and it exacerbates the cycle. So what can we do instead? He is going to dive into that. We also had a really fun conversation before we even hit record about how neither of us like to be called Kim. So we were able to bond on that level as well. Let's dive in to this week's episode. Physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. These are the four areas of attraction, or as us insiders like to call it, the pies. Join me, Kimberly Beam Holmes, as we speak with other experts around the world on how to become the most attractive that you can be. Create confidence and find happiness. We will teach you how. It starts with attraction and it starts now. People ask me all the time, Kimberly, which area of my pies should I focus on first? And the answer to that question is the one where you need to see the most growth. So how do you know which area that that is? That is why I have created an attraction assessment. This free assessment is designed to help you learn what areas of attraction you should be working and focusing on first. Every area is important, but there is likely a specific area that is lowest for you and that you should focus on working on first because by working on the one that is the lowest and bringing that up, you will automatically start feeling better about yourself and be more attractive to the people in your life. Take the assessment to learn which area to prioritize. As you go through the assessment, you'll be able to rate yourself in every area, and then at the end, you will see which area is your lowest and which areas you are already kicking butt in, because you're definitely going to have some of those as well. This will be the foundation of your journey to becoming a more attractive person to your spouse, to your boyfriend or girlfriend, to your friends and family, but most of all, to yourself. Click the link in the show notes to take the free assessment today. Kimball, I am very excited to speak with you. I have not yet had a parenting person on the podcast, and this is something I am excited to talk about, but I also know my audience is, is desperate to hear some great stuff on. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. 
Yes. So let's dive in. And real quick, will you tell us more about empowering parents? How, what is it? How long have you been doing it? And how did you get started in it? Okay. So empoweringparents.com, it's a website, first of Mm -hmm. all. And it's the home of a parenting program called the Total Transformation Program, which has been around for a little over 10 years. And it's a program, it's a, it's a comprehensive approach for for parents dealing with kids that have behavior problems, things like mm-hmm. disrespect, backtalk, motivation issues. And the parents that come to us usually find us by doing a Google search. They're usually at their wits end. They're having mm-hmm. recurring problems like constant fighting, constant bickering. Kids aren't doing homework. It runs the gamut from you know pretty mild stuff, but like it's causing really problems in the household to you're scared of your child. There's mm-hmm. violence. There's a lot of verbal abuse, that type of thing. So um, we have a program that was designed by a, a gentleman named James Lehman who um, he worked in group homes. He, he was a professional in um, uh, dealing with kids with behavior problems, social worker. And he realized that parents, he would see a lot of these kids in his therapy sessions and and having worked in group homes and other stuff, he had a lot of like specific skills and stuff that parents didn't have. And he thought that if he could just empower parents with the same skills that he has in dealing with behavior problems, it would make things a lot easier and would and would actually make the therapy sessions with kids and other stuff a lot more constructive. Because the parents parents could go home with, here's how we deal with when your child rolls his eyes at you mm. or or yells at you or swears at you or punches holes in the walls. Like here, here's mm. the approach. Here's what kind of consequences work and don't work, that type of thing. So it's really it's an it's an instruction manual for parents, and they can work through the program in about usually about eight weeks if you do like a unit a week, and it's a comprehensive approach for dealing with these problems. And um, he started the program in the late 2000s, and at, the, at its very height, he passed away. Mm. It's kind of how I sort of got involved, but he passed away at the very height of the program. Um, it went on for a couple of years after that, but there was a big big turning point in the in the in uh, like around 2013, 2014, these programs are books and DVDs and that type of stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. it's cha- the world has changed. So it's mostly yeah. online stuff now. So that's, that's how I got involved, but he, he lived near me. I'd met him before uh, I was aware of the program. Um, I knew very well his business partner who did the the marketing side of everything. And um, I was aware of the program. I'd actually, I'd actually listened. I sort of a self-help junkie. So yeah. I'd, I'd been through the program, but empoweringparents.com is the website. We have hundreds of free articles and it's also a place you come to, you can sign up and subscribe and you, and you can get the total transformation online. So I love it. Definitely a great resource for our listeners. And we'll be sure to include it in the show notes. So when we're talking about parenting and especially parenting in 2021, it's crazy. My kids are seven and four and I desperately want to make sure that I do the best that I can to, Mm -hmm. to raise them to be great adults, right? Like this is what we want for our kids. What are the biggest challenges that you see either currently happening or maybe on the horizon in the realm of parenting great children? I don't think the issues today, they're, they're tactically, they're different but it's still the same underlying issues and your kids are a little on the younger side for we deal with, we deal with parents who have kids uh, of your age. Uh, But normally the problems occur when they start reaching adolescence. I think Mm -hmm. most people realize that. And, and what fundamentally happens is uh, kids suddenly have responsibilities. They have homework. They Mm -hmm. might be expected to do chores. 
Um, they now start dealing with emotional problems they might not have had before, like dealings with frustration, like school gets harder, everything else. There's all these these things that we we lump under the category. We just call them problems. They're life problems. Mm-hmm. And kids have a hard time. Some do better than others, but they have a hard time addressing those problems. And and this is the first time in their life they're they're having to put something down to, you know, like their electronics to do homework. Their homework might be more difficult. So they actually have responsibilities. Some kids don't deal with that very well. And the way they solve that problem, which they have something they're supposed to be doing, um, is by acting out. Um, some kids. Some kids figure out that acting out doesn't work for them. But for a lot of kids, the acting out works. Like So they act out. They yell at their parent. They they won't do the chores. They they become very defiant, and kids are really good at this, and they can actually drive the parent to the point of the parent kind of gives up, or just mm-hmm. or engages, gets drawn down into the fight with the child, mm-hmm. and then and then nothing happens. And in the child's mind, very often that problem they're having, which is that like they wanted to do their you know they're supposed to do their homework. They, they kind of get out of it. Their parents stops asking to do their homework. They stop. They don't even bother asking to do the chores because it's it's more work to get your child to do the chore than it is to do it yourself. So you stop even asking your child. And what and what they learn is that this acting out actually solves their problem for them. But that that thing they didn't want to do goes away because they acted out. It's it's a it actually works with parents. So it kind of works, but it's a terrible life skill. It doesn't it doesn't right. work nearly as well in the real world. And and your your um your problems are fairly simple when you're an adolescent. You know, it's it's homework, it's 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 learning how to behave with other kids in social situations, things like that. But but things get more and more complex as you as you hit your later teens and your twenties, and you have relationships and that kind of stuff. So so a lot of it is is this problem solving. So I would say that the thing that the best thing to do um, in trying to raise a good child who's going to be functional in the world is help them. Teach them how to solve the problems, which which often are the the precursors and what lead to the behavior problems. Okay, so I know you just said this is more so for older kids, but this sounds like my four year old. I'm going to tell you why. Could be, yeah. <laughs> so, well, tantrums tantrums are a version of this, but go ahead, go ahead. Okay, well, okay, so a huge thing with my four year old son, his name is Arrow. He he's supposed to fold clothes. He and his seven year old sister, they're job in the house is fold and put away the clothes. And our daughter is amazing at it. She just does it, gets it done, doesn't complain. Arrow is the one who's like dragging his feet. I don't want to. And then he'll just kind of sit there. He won't do it. He'll let Eliana do it. And, and then when you try and get him to, I don't want to, like he has, right? Like he has that response. So it's a, it's a responsibility he has, but he's maybe overwhelmed. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask your opinion. And so I I don't give in yet. Like I feel the parents cause it just, it's like, why am I going to fight yeah. this battle every time? I have not yet given in, <clears throat> but it's still a challenge. We have not yet gotten to the point where he is folding the clothes without there being some kind of fight that goes with it. So what is going on in him and what can I do as a mom to help make this a better experience all the way around? So arrows four. He's four. He'll be five in January. Okay. okay, so that's coming up on five. We we have so first of all, you have to ask yourself. I, I don't know what Arrow's maturity level is exactly, but we are cut off for our programs. Are we say from age five to twenty five? Mm-hmm. And the reason we say five is is some kids are not old enough to like understand consequences. To understand, there's certain things like their brain's just not there yet. But it could be that if you're that if Arrow's at a is functioning fairly well, that that four and a half is is perfectly fine. 
Mm-hmm. So, and the reason we stop at 25 is that if you're still having problems with the kids and they're 25, mm-hmm. actually, we only deal with kids who are living in the household where there's like a parent-child authority thing going on. Gotcha. Makes sense. We, we, tell, we tell parents once they're over age 25, you have a roommate problem. It's not a parent-child problem. <laughs> Now you might think it's a parent-child problem, but you should start viewing it as a roommate problem. You have a right. roommate, you, you have a your roommate's not behaving well, so you should think about it that way. But, but with the but with the four and a half year old, um, a couple things I would say. One is is um, if there is a tantrum, I wouldn't give into the tantrum. Like, don't make the tantrum successful because they realize mm-hmm. that. The other thing is try not to react to the tantrum. Mm. Kids, kids have very little power in the world, but they have incredible. They have a superpower, and that is they can make their parents melt down, and they can make their parents do whatever. And the more they know they have that power, the more they'll use it because it's about the only power they have. They're not the boss of anyone. They don't own anything. Like, but but yeah. they can make their parents happy or miserable or whatever. Like they have this, they have this emotional um, attachment to parents. We we know that, right? So mm-hmm. so we 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 tell parents that like try to be like very calm authoritative but like a calm like a good boss would be calm with the kid try not to react to the child's thing because the more you react to it they they see you're getting a reaction out of it uh and then um and then make an assessment where where arrow is emotionally which is um can air is is arrow just not capable of folding clothes for i don't know how long it would be like for half an hour or something so we always say start from where your child is like see if they can do 10 minutes make yeah. make, make a reasonable goal and solve that goal and then and then move on and and progress from that point forward. Uh, but if your child's manipulating you and they're good at it, it's it's not necessarily a bad word manipulation. But but if but if you think it's manipulation, you should be thinking about that and 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 engaging your response uh, accordingly. Yeah, I was a so, master manipulator as a kid. Like I get it because this was me. I I was able to pull my mom's emotions yeah. to get what I wanted for sure. So I think I'm overly sensitive to it because of that. But that's such a good point, like breaking things down into what's manageable. But let's, so big picture, when children act out and is it because they are just overwhelmed or is it because they're seeking attention? Like what is, or both or either, like what is the driving force behind why they're doing that? So I'm going to go back to what I said originally, which is that they're trying to solve a problem. So Mm. if, if the problem is they're not getting the attention they want, Mm -hmm. They're acting out to solve that problem to get the attention. It's not a it's yeah. not a helpful way to get attention mm-hmm. to act out. It's not going to serve you well in life. If what was the other what you had another um overwhelmed. If they're overwhelmed, so they're dealing with frustration, they're dealing with emotions they're not they're not accustomed to dealing with. Mm. And they act out as a result. Um uh they need to they need to become better at solving the problem of they're frustrated or they're overwhelmed and not mm-hmm. act out. Now they're going to act out. That's how they initially try to solve they solve the problem. So as a parent, we recommend that 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 inappropriate response doesn't solve their problem for them. So so by acting out, you shouldn't you shouldn't reward the acting out. Because uh, if you do and it does solve their problem for them, they'll do it again because it's now it's, it seems like it's working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to make sure that the the behaviors that are inappropriate don't don't work for them. They don't gain from them. And then at the same time, you want to make sure that you're coaching your child and offering them alternative behaviors. And you often want to do that after the sort of the blow up, you know, like, like when they're blowing up, you just, you can, it's often good to disconnect. Just say like, I'm not, you know, either go to your room, you're tired. Uh, We'll talk about this later when you calm down. 
and then offer them alternatives to when they get frustrated, here's what you can try mm. next time. Mm. And then offer them offer them those alternatives. And then they'll they'll a lot of kids will will then take that on and experiment and they'll really they just need one or two successes and they'll realize that that um not blowing up and solving the problem a different way actually works better for them. And they end up happier. The kids are kids that are acting out all the time are not happy. Mm. So now mm. there's there's a big argument over whether they act out because they're not happy or they're not happy because they act out. Um, Where do you land on that on that argument? We believe it's true that if a child's not happy, they'll act out. But we've we've found in practice that solving the acting out problem by trying to make a child happy is not effective. But if you get them to behave better, they'll feel better. Mm. So we have we have this we have this uh, saying, which is that you you can't you can't feel your way to better behavior, but you can behave your way to better feelings. Kids that learn how to behave better invariably feel better about themselves. Hmm. And then, furthermore, the other thing we say is that the goal is good behavior, no matter how you feel, because you're going to have good days and bad days for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you need to be able to behave appropriately when you're feeling badly about yourself and badly about things. You know, if you're driving on the road, the speed limit doesn't say 65 miles per hour. Unless you've had a bad day, then it's 90. Go ahead, do whatever you want. It doesn't work that way, right? So, no, it so the goal the goal is the goal is appropriate behavior, no matter how you're feeling. Hmm. Um, you, you can't you can't stop feeling bad about stuff. You can't stop anger. Anger anger is a normal feeling. You're always going to get angry. The question is, what do you do when you get angry? So that's that's right. what we try to work on and 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 focus on building skills. And these are skill building. So yes, and even for parents, these are probably reminders at times of oh man, these are things I need to be doing better in my life. Would have you seen that with the parents that are go- going through it? We have we have this idea that there's like we we model our behavior. Our kids are watching mm-hmm. us all the time, so mm-hmm. we model behavior for our kids. And and this is the first time many of us have had. You haven't had a four year old and seven year old before. This is the first time you had a four year old and a seven year old, right? Yeah. I mean, you had a four year old before, but now you've got you've got two. <laughs> right. Um, so this is kind of new to you. You haven't you haven't been through this before. But there are many millions of parents out there that have had four year olds and seven year olds, and then there are professionals who work with parents that are having issues that have seen this. So you can actually learn from them. So that's why these you know the, the these podcasts and the work that mm-hmm. that that you and others are doing are great of all this because you can actually learn through the experiences of other people. You know whether it's marriage issues or whether it's child right. issues. Absolutely. So there's a lot to learn. So that's, I mean, that was the whole point with James Lehman, the total transformation was empowering parents with the stuff that he learned over the last 30 or 40 years, working in group homes with really defiant kids, you know, what worked and what didn't work, what was mm-hmm. effective, what wasn't effective. Cause really just, you want to do effective things. Yeah. So let's talk about what are some of the skills that parents should be doing in their relationships with their children, either how they're acting towards their children or what the children need to see the parents model in order to be able to do that well as the children grow older. So modeling's a big part and modeling's tied into the effective behaviors also. So we we recommend um, as best you can, don't yell and scream at your kids if you don't mm-hmm. want your kids to yell and scream at you. Right. And, and Everyone's going to yell and scream at some point. Like we all, we all, we all have our limits. But you should know that yelling and screaming doesn't solve child behavior problems. Because if it did, we wouldn't have any child behavior problems. You just yell and scream at your kid, and problem would be solved. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. Now you should you should give yourself a break if you if you yell once in a while. Just know it's not effective. Okay, that's yeah. just the key. Just just know it's not effective. And when you do it, 
forgive yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Just say, you know what? I'm like me and every other parents lost it once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, actually yelling works once in a while with some kids, but it works with the kids that those parents don't come to see us because it works once and the kid gets it and figures it out. And so, <laughs> and then so, so, so if there's a parent out there that I yelled at my kid and, and, and he never did it again, or she never did it again. Like, yeah, that happens, but that's with kids who figure things out fairly quickly. That's not, those aren't our customers. The people that come to us are having recurring problems where the kids aren't figuring it out. So, so modeling is a big part, you know, you want to, you want to, um, you know, the yelling and screaming, you want to minimize that. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this, um, uh, so there's the modeling, the other thing is is we recommend to parents um, don't take their behavior personally. Don't personalize it. Uh, your kids are probably on the young side, but you may, depending on what their personalities are like, and it happens in the best of families. Like it, it can happen to anyone. You know, it could. It, like we have a lot of mothers that come to us, and the problem is their daughters looks at them and says, "F you, I hate you." Mm. And very personal, and they're like, the, and mm-hmm. usually, you know, the daughter's not usually not seven, but but you know, yeah. twelve, thirteen, like that's completely. Yeah. I wouldn't call that abnormal behavior. That happens all the time, mm-hmm. and it crushes parents. Depending on how the relationship is going, can crush a parent. And uh, and it's really hard place to be. Mm-hmm. And we remind parents we need to address this as a behavior issue. These mm-hmm. are behavior issues. Don't take it personally. Your child is lashing out at the at the person who happens to be their parent. The the authority someone has authority over them because they're twelve and thirteen or fourteen or or whatever. They're lashing out at the person who's setting limits for them, um, mm. and it's and and they're having problem solving issues. So don't take it personally. The other the other reason because uh, it's not effective actually. You don't you don't you don't respond well when you take it personally. And second of all. It's very difficult to offer your child grace and forgiveness if you take it personally. If you look at his behavior problem, when when they get better in three or four months or six months or however long it takes for them to like start improving, uh, it, you don't you won't hold that over your over their head as if as if it was a personal thing. Like remember that time six six months ago, mm-hmm. like you said that horrible thing to me. If you look at it as a behavior problem, you can let that stuff slide a lot easier. So it's just a lot, it's a lot more effective. And it's true because I've said, I mean, I've gotten in fights with my parents when I was growing up. I'm sure I said some, you know, some bad things. I've said bad things to my spouse, yeah. right? We've we've all had relationship issues where you've done things. And and it's just, it's really helpful to view these as as behavior problems um, if you want to get past them. And you can, it's, it's, it's really helpful. So. Mm. so even to an extent, you're separating the child from the behavior so that you're not putting the two. Uh, so what am I trying to say when I'm saying that? Like I, <laughs> if, if I see my daughter, if my daughter said that to me, like you were saying when she's yeah. 13 years old, but I see that as her and who she is, then it, that makes it harder to move forward from it. Cause I might write a story of her in my head that she's a certain way when in fact it's just a behavior that needs to be corrected. Yeah. So, so we that's a that's a great point. Uh, we have I do a lot of the writing for our website, yeah. and we're very careful to when we talk because a lot of a lot of parents have kids with ADHD that come to us. It's pretty mm-hmm. common to have mm-hmm. behavior issues. We're very careful when we write that we say your child with ADHD as as opposed to the ADHD child. Yeah. We we don't want to define the child as 
right as the ADHD as as that child. We mm-hmm. want to say it's it's a child who happens to have a, a particular challenge. We all have challenges, right? Sure. We might have a height challenge. You might have a you know some kids have an mm-hmm. ADHD challenge. You can you can come a long way and 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 be you know very very successful um, if you're able to overcome those things. Yeah, and so okay. we just look at it as a challenge as, as to not labeling the child by that thing. And, and you know, there's a, there's a, um, in psychology, there's an entire background in what's called cognitive behavior therapy about labeling. There's this term called labeling, you know, like if you, if you, if sometimes you don't do things correctly, you should say, I don't do things correctly. Sometimes don't say I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like don't, don't define yourself by, by something that happens sometimes. Right. So. You know, I'm someone who lost a job. I'm not a, I'm not like someone who can't, I can't hold a job down. That's not necessarily true. I, I happen to have lost right. a job for whatever reason. So we want to, we want to avoid the labeling. Yes. So with, with ourselves personally and with our kids. So it's yes. the same concepts. Yes. What about when behavior issues are happening and a parent believes that it is tied to a friend group or uh, something that they're a part of on social media. So how, how are you helping parents understand how to navigate that aspect of it? Either they're friends with people that the parents don't particularly love what's going on there, or they're doing things on social media that the parents are not for. Uh, that's a hard, that's actually a hard, that's a hard question. That's a difficult place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, depending on the age of the child, uh, you know, if they're under under age sixteen, I, I think parents actually have a say as to certain kids you don't want them hanging out with. I wouldn't I wouldn't talk them down or like like you have to be careful because a child might rebel mm-hmm. and and go into that. But 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 there are some situations you want your kids to to try to stay out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to do your best to 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 do that if you can. You can't always you can't always avoid those things. You do want to hold your child responsible for their actions and they're accountable. And if they're with kids that are doing bad things and they get in trouble, we, we recommend that you hold your child accountable for what your child did and not try to blame the other kids. Um, and then with social media, like my, my kids are, my kids are now 17 and 18. And, uh, but when they were younger, I had to be friends with them on any social media so I could see, and I coached them as to like, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Now they might actually. This happens too, which is they they might come up with like an Instagram account, which which you don't know about because it's a secret sure. Instagram right. account. There's that kind of stuff, uh, but need to be aware. We recommend talking to other parents mm. and being aware, like asking what what are their kids doing, what are they seeing, because your kids are going to hide things from you, uh, and other parents might see it. So use your network of 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 friends and other parents to find out what kids are up to and what they're doing. Just keep your eyes open, so so that you're aware of it. So, but that's a challenging place. There's a couple of really challenging places, which is that your kids are with friends that that you think are going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one is when parents. The other really hard place is when parents disagree about what to do. Mm. Um, very challenging situations. So, mm. so I want to come back to that one, but okay. but before we go there, so when it comes to like smartphones, social media. Um, my kids are too young for this, <laughs> but in the, or I hope my kids are too young for this. Um, 
when my husband and I talk about it, it's kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, never, they're never going to have a cell phone. They're never going to do that. To which my husband replies and he's like, when they see their friends have it, like we don't want them to resent us. So again, we haven't had to make a decision about this yet, but what do you kind of see as the smart, wise thing to do when it comes to allowing a child to have a smartphone uh, having social media accounts, like, do you recommend an age? Do you recommend a maturity level? What are you seeing happening there? I would say um, maturity level, but age. I think when our kids were 10, they got, or maybe 12. There was a point at which they were leaving the house. We wanted them to have a phone so that they could call us and be in touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this is one of those areas where I can make a recommendation and, and it, and my feeling is, but, but I, but I'm, I don't feel strongly about this because people have different opinions and I totally respect that. Sure. Is that electronics are a part of life mm. and that, and that my kids are going to get electronics, including phones and they got to learn how to use them responsibly. Mm-hmm. But those phones, electronics are like the enemy these days. Like they are, they, they are the thing that pull kids away from, from doing their schoolwork and doing all sorts of other stuff. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of trouble to be had with them, but they exist and they're not really going away. Right. I'm sympathetic to the argument of that. I hear from a lot of parents where my child's not getting a phone till they're 16 Right. and they're not getting, and they can't play video games. And I'm like, I'm a little bit, I, I, I get it. Like I'm not completely opposed to that. At the end, I think parents need, parents have the, have the right to set the rules in their household. And I, would, and I really urge parents, however you feel about it, don't be necessarily looking at what your neighbors are doing. Th- figure out what your values are in your family. Mm. And as the parent in the family, you actually have the right. Because if, if you don't have the right to do it, who's going to set the values in your household? Yeah. It's going yeah. to be your neighbor. And I'm not sure you want your neighbor setting the values. So this, this, again, this is, this is a hard area, but I would urge parents to like, listen to their gut on this. And understand and know that phones and other stuff can be can be a problem, uh, so that you're not naive about it. But then make the decision you think makes the most sense to f- with your family. So my my kids had phones, but like we kept them out of their bedrooms. For example, they don't go to sleep at night with them. They they stay downstairs. Our kids sleep upstairs, so the phone stays mm-hmm. downstairs. There are things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've known other households where th- th- no electronics until they're like 16. Mm-hmm. And the kids are all right. <laughs> they might actually be better. So I can't. It's it's hard to argue that that's not that's not the route we take. Um, there's a lot of responsible, great responsible kids mm-hmm. using electronics. They don't make sure. the news, right? I mean, it could be ninety percent. I don't know what the number is, but it could be ninety percent of the kids are perfectly fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ten percent are, are hard. The most difficult, I think, is is homework and responsibilities. It's so easy to just waste your time on on the phone and not yeah. and not get your or work done disconnecting from spending time as a family. That's yes. Yeah. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier of we have to model the behavior, right? So it's hard. It would be much harder to say you can't have a phone until you're 16, but then the parents are always on their phone. On the phone. Yes. Because you're not modeling it. Yes. That's, oh, exact, so that's exactly right. And, <laughs> and <laughs> right. I, I have I have a I have a feeling I don't know there's a research study out here but somewhere you, you could do but I, but the kids that are having problems on their phones I bet the parents are on the phones all the time too so yeah. there's, there's a modeling aspect to it here here's one reason why phones are helpful is it's an excellent tool for consequences 
mm. uh, which is that you can take their phone away uh, until they get their chores done, for example, or no electronics until your chores are done. And you have to be, okay. you have to be very consistent about it. And then right. when they get that chore done, they get their phone back. We don't want long-term con. You don't want to take it away for a week or a month. If you take it away for that long, you're basically teaching your child how to do time. We're not, we don't want our kids to learn how to do time. What we want is them to realize that if they if they want to be able to use their rewards and, and be able to use their phone or whatever, they have to get the responsibilities out of the way. And so once they once they get their chores done, they get their phone and keep it that simple. Even if they like argue or, or whatever, that's that's fine, but no phone until you get your chores done and then you get your phone back. And and so in that sense, things like phones are actually a useful tool for consequences. It's it's something that you could take away short term and they can earn it back through good behavior. And it's not just like not doing your chores. If, um, you know, if your siblings are fighting with one another, you can, you can set up a rule where, you know, you take their phone away for a couple hours sort of as a, as a initial consequence. But then if there's no bickering for two more hours to get their phone back, if they bicker, you start the clock over again. And they, and they, it actually teaches them to practice how to, how to behave and have self-control in order to get that thing back that they want. So it's, so it's a, it's not a bad tool for that. Hmm. So, so why the short term, you said, you said you don't want them to learn how to do time. So why focus on shorter term consequences rather than longer term? Uh, Cause you want them to practice good behavior. So you want the, you want the consequence tied to whatever action it is that you want. So if your siblings, one's hitting the other or screaming at the other, you want them, you want to give them a one or two hour consequence where, where you take something away. And the way they earn it back is by practicing the good behavior, which is that they they um, they don't yell or scream, or they show self control mm-hmm. for a couple of hours. Then they get, then they get that thing back. The expectation is they're going to do it again. You're going to take it away, but but they'll they'll gain some practice, and it'll and it'll it works better over time. If you if you take the phone away for four days, mm-hmm. and they do something wrong tomorrow, you can't. There's nothing to take back. You can't take anything away. Like you run out of things to take away. So you actually want them to earn it back, and you want them to to see some success from from their um uh from their efforts to behave mm. better and and that shorter term works better so mm-hmm. you don't want it you don't want it so short term that it's super easy like you just you know don't swear for five minutes and you get your phone back that's that's not you want it to be somewhat challenging but within reach and then you can sort mm. of extend it and the idea is that they they practice these behavior skills so we practice these things we don't we forget that we practice these things but i don't know like it's um it's like going to the gym. Like if you have, like if you want to, if you desire to work out, part of the and get into shape, part of the practice of it is actually getting yourself out and going to the gym. Yeah. Once you're at the gym, you usually work out. The thing is, how do you, how do you get yourself to like actually get up and and go? And that takes practice, and you can build habits. So we're looking for our kids to build to build habits. It's skill building. One of the things that is part of the total transformation. You can't punish your child into good behavior. Can you explain more about that? Well, that, that comes back to the that comes back to the consequences. That is that a punishment is like, bam, you did something wrong and like you get smacked or something. Like it's there's no like there's no connection between between the better behavior and mm-hmm. and a better outcome. We want we want to make a connection between the behaviors and the outcomes. And so punishment a punishment doesn't have this idea that you've learned something along the way. So if we're being thoughtful about consequences, there should be there should be a learning or a practicing process with it. So let's say you come home late for curfew. Here's another example. Um, you want your child to go out again 
but now you've like maybe lowered the curfew or, or you don't let them out for like the next weekend night, but, but then you want to get them out again and say, now your curfew is at nine o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. And if you can come back for, for two weeks in a row at nine o'clock, I'll extend your curfew again, or, or we'll talk about it. You want, you want to get them into this idea of, of what you're doing is you're helping them practice good behavior skills, Hmm. alternative, alternative problem solving skills rather than acting out at the beginning. We were talking about how these are all like problems are trying to solve. And the, the consequences and the limit setting are, are, are you want it, when you can, you want to design them around learning better skills for solving these problems. To a child, a, a, they, they can't always tell the difference between a consequence and a, and a um, punishment. It feels the same to them because they're both uncomfortable. But as mm-hmm. a parent, you got to ask yourself, is this, is this thing going to teach them something. I don't mean like teach them a lesson, like by smacking them. I mean, like, are they going to actually like be able to practice or learn something through there? Sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard. You can't find that right consequence and maybe you ground them for a couple of days or something, but, but you want them to try to earn their privileges back. You always want to offer them that second chance to practice the good behaviors. Hmm. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little hard sometimes to explain the difference between a consequence and a punishment. It's one of the things, you know what, when you see yeah. it, one, one of them has a learn that you know, has a learning factor to it. So, yeah. What about, so let's go back to the, when parents don't agree, how do you help the parents? I mean, do is the goal to try and get them to learn how to agree better? What's the, how do you work through that? Um, so parents don't agree on a lot of stuff <laughs> in True. marriage and everything. Uh, we, the first thing we do is we, we explain to parents, they usually agree on what they, on, on what they want to happen. They just disagree on how to get there. Mm. So it's, it's, it's usually the case that both parents want the child to study and get decent grades and not fail. Mm -hmm. So they both have this desire to, to have the child succeed in school. The question is, how do you get there? And should Mm -hmm. there be, should there be consequences around that type of stuff? Um, so, so first of all, we try to get parents to say, look, we, we have, we have similar, we have similar goals. We just have different viewpoints on how to, on how to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in this, what we call this big sea, this big ocean of disagreement, there are islands about approaches that you might agree on. And, and we urge parents to find those islands and get on those islands <laughs> and yeah. find something you do agree on yeah. and then focus on and focus on that. And very often you can focus on, you know, one, we, we recommend focusing on one behavior at a time with kids that have lots of behavior problems. Because mm-hmm. it's just overwhelming. Just pick one and see if you can improve this one thing, then move on from there. So, find 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 a place of agreement where you have something, and then and then hold on to that. Spend some time on that island, and then identify other islands. And the more you do that, you might realize there's actually more places where you where you where you agree. And then we all, we recommend to parents, even if you disagree, you might have to you might have to try something that you don't think is going to work or you don't agree with. Hmm. And the way we tend to approach that is say, okay, I'll, I'll do, I'll go along with you for now, but let's talk about how we'll know if it's working and how we'll know if it's not working. And, and let's agree now how we're going to assess this in three months to see if it's working or not. I'll do, I'll, I'll go along with what, even though I don't agree, I'll go along with what you're saying, but let, but let's, let's, let's talk now about how we're going to decide whether it's working or not. And then, and that gives you something to talk about in three months. Like, did this actually work? Yeah. So that we find that effective as well. 
Yeah, it's a hard place to be. It's it is a hard place to be, and then divorced parents is even more difficult because now they're not even in the same home. Sure, sure, and there's there can seem to be less reason to want to agree. Correct. There's a lot of reasons. Yes, yes, and sometimes it's done out of spite. I mean, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole host of reasons. So, yeah. So, do you see that the more a parent connects with their child, the better the behavior issues can be? I don't think so. I, I mean, it's a good question. I, I, um, I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong answer to this. I think that parents, you'll see this in a lot of households, parents connect with some kids better than the other kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some adult children better than other adult children. And just mm-hmm. like some siblings are closer than other siblings. Uh, but I think your role as the parents, the same, no matter, no matter who your child is. And, there's always this, you're still the authority in the household and that changes it from, it's not really a friendship in the way that it, it's like, it's awesome to be close and friendly. And when the kids are young, it's just an emotional attachment, mm-hmm. but we're, we are raising our kids to leave the nest. Yeah. So there, there's, there's a point at which they, in, what we call individuate, they start separating themselves from you and it's natural and we should expect that it's hard actually it's very my kids just went off to college it's like very like it's a it's a weird feeling like suddenly they don't they're not here anymore but you want them to go off and be independent it's healthy if you want if you want a good relationship with your child you should teach them to sort of be independent and we see like you know we actually see kind of the other problem which is that uh a lot of parents are getting too emotionally involved in their kids. Mm. And that's hard because kids, they get, they get this emotional involvement, but the the kids are emotionally immature to begin with. It's just, it's a difficult relationship to have. It's like, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I can't, I couldn't have a normal relationship with a 16 or 17 year old. I mean, I I can have a relationship, but it's different than with a peer. Same with, same with like a parent and a child. It's the relationship's not quite the same. And it's, and it's actually unique because no one else, there's no one else who can be your child's parent. It's a very unique relationship. So no one else, your neighbors aren't going to set limits for your child, aren't going to, they're not going to invest in trying to get your child to learn better behavior skills or whatever. They don't, they don't have that relationship. But if you're close with your child, that's great. And and love, love needs to be behind all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I always think of love as a verb. Mm-hmm. Love is in like love your child and, and set limits out of love and do everything out of love, not out of, not out of like an emotional type thing. And that, that does come, but usually comes with the better behavior. And I'm, I'm keep going on. I've, I've, there's one more thing, one more point I want to make about this. I heard someone's, this is not, this is not from our stuff. I heard someone else uh, say this a couple of years ago and it's really resonated with me, which is that, um, one of the reasons you want your child to behave well, and as a parent, you want to make sure that you're holding them accountable and getting behavior uh, in check, is that if you don't, you're not going to like your child. Mm. You'll start to resent your child. Your child might embarrass you. Your child might mm. like you'll get angry at your child. So you owe it. You owe it to your ch- to your, the relationship you want to form with your child to have them behave appropriately. Because if they don't, you're not going to like you're inevitably, you're not going to like them. 
So, and, but, and even though we counsel, don't take the behavior personally, because if you do, like, you're not going to like that person, like, but it's inevitable, like it happens. So you, you don't even want to be in the place where, where, where you're at risk of not liking your child because of the behavior issues. So that's why, that's why like appropriate behavior and, and learning how to be a independent adult is, um, you know, it's very important. So. Absolutely. When. Will people, so at what, at what point do people come to you and go through the courses that you have? What's happening with their kids that leads them to make that step? So one of the really common, we can see how people Google search to find our site. Yeah. Um, one of the common uh, phrases, I'm at my, I'm at my wits end. Mm. So it's happened over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And constant yelling and screaming. There's no peace mm-hmm. in the household. That's the other thing is like they want to restore peace back to the household again. Mm. Constant arguing. Uh, they can't have a normal conversation with their child. They come home from work. And this happens a lot. You drive home from work and you're imagining the fight you're going to have as you pull into the driveway. All the way home, you pull in the driveway. You're imagining like, I know he's going to be sitting there on the couch. He's not. He hasn't done his chores or his homework and he's watching TV. I just, or, I just know that's going to happen. And then when you come in, you explode like... And it happens all the time. So those parents come to us and um, it's been a pattern of behavior that's gotten to the point where they just, it's just very difficult to be living in the house with them mm. uh, anymore. So that's that's how they come to us. That's actually an advantage. And the reason why I say that is that these are patterns of behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's happened, it hasn't happened once and they come to us. It's happened over and over and over again. And then, And the advantage of that is you know it's going to happen again. And one of the services we offer along with the program is coaching. We help coach you through applying, you know, these techniques. Uh, and one of the advantages of it is that since it's happened so many times, you know, it's going to happen again. You can work with our coaches or just with the program. You plan out what you're going to do next time. So you actually have, you actually have a game plan yeah. that, that, that the next time my child does X or doesn't do X, whatever that thing right. you're supposed to do, here's what I'm going to do. And when you have that plan together, you're much calmer going into it. Sure. It happens. And then and then you go into execute mode. You're executing your plan. And you can be a little bit more dispassionate about it. You don't you don't explode. Like you get control of your emotions. You actually feel better about it. And then you can reassess. You do it for a while. And we, we work with parents. They might be doing the right thing. It might take a week, two weeks, three weeks. Sometimes it happens very quickly. Sometimes the turnaround is very quick. Uh but we'll work with them. Yeah, you're, you might need to adjust it or yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. They're, they're getting it. And, um, and the patterns change. It doesn't happen overnight, but sometimes it happens within a week. Sometimes it happens within a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, but when you do apply these programs comprehensively, the child knows something's different from day one. Yeah. Suddenly you're reacting differently and you, you sort of have a plan in place and, you know, you become thoughtful about consequences. Like, right. you know, one, one of the things we say is don't, don't make up a consequences on the fly. Figure out ahead of time what's a what the consequence ought to be uh, for something, yeah. and actually let your child know ahead of time. So you don't want you don't want to like mm-hmm. you know in the in the heat of the moment trying to be making up right these decisions about things. So so that's the that's the uh, that that these things are patterns that have happened over and over again. That's really why they're coming to us. Something's you know things have gotten out of hand. And is it an online course? Is it video driven? How does it how does it actually work to get involved with the program? So it's it's online. So you so you sign up. It's online. You have a dashboard. 
and it's a series of videos and audio lessons mm -hmm. and then workbook lessons that follow it and some readings. And mm -hmm. it's the total transformation is the original foundational program. Mm -hmm. And it's about eight weeks to get, if you do a unit a week, it's about eight weeks to get through it. Uh, and then there are uh, five other programs that, that then after you've done the foundational program, you, you could do each program separately if you wanted to standalone, mm -hmm. but it works much better if you do total transformation first than work on the other programs. The other programs are ones, um, uh, the complete guide to consequences. It just goes deep on, on what kind, con how consequences oh, are helpful. Good. What are good consequences? Oh. What are, you know, what consequences are not effective? There's mm -hmm. one called getting through to your child, which is how to, how to talk to your child. So that's, mm -hmm. that's actually a, a, an important thing, which is if you've ever been in marriage counseling, communication between couples is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just the way they communicate, like half the problem yes, that couples is. have is communication, right? You're with me on that, right? I'm with you. Yes. It's the same with our kids. We don't use the yeah. right words with our kids sometimes. Sure. There's a, so the, this whole segment is on like, how do you use the right words with your kids? And one of like, for, I just give a quick example. One's called, we call it the Y trap. And the Y trap is your child's doing something like they're playing video games. They're supposed to be doing their homework. And mm -hmm. the first thing that comes out of a parent's mouth is why are you doing your, why are you playing video games? And then you stand there and look at your child. And what you've done is, without really thinking through, you've just asked your child to give you an excuse for what they're doing. And you're mm. waiting for them to tell you why they're playing video games, not doing their homework. Mm. And, and you sit there like, tell me why. Yeah. So we don't want our kids to give us excuses. Right. There's no need to say, why are you doing it? You call that the why trap. Like you're not, you're training your kids the wrong way when you're doing that. Just That's say right. to them, you know, you're not supposed to be doing your homework. Go do your homework. Yeah. And meanwhile, you have, a, you have consequences that, that if, if they don't, like there's some consequences that you can put in play at that point, but it's not, you don't ask them. You just say, you know, you're not supposed to do your homework, go do your homework. So, so get, get out of the why trap. So there's a whole there's a whole host of those things, which are the, the way in which we communicate with our kids mm -hmm. uh, often send the wrong message. And we think they should understand what we're saying, but, but they might actually think you're asking for an excuse. Like, uh, I don't like, so. Well, and it can come across as defensive too, yeah, or yeah. prime them to be defensive in their response. So why are you doing this? Especially with the tone, then why are you attacking me? These are, here's why I'm doing it. Right. And it, it definitely doesn't start. A productive conversation. That's it doesn't. Sure. It usually leads to a, a fight and then you get dragged down to an, into a fight. And I don't know, kids are better at fighting than parents are usually. It's not, it's not a, we, just, we, we don't want to get into what we call power struggles with our kids because yeah. it's an equal, like they're dragging you down to their level and you're fighting right. on their turf. So right. it's a hard place to be. And you right. don't want to fight on their level. You don't want to do the things that they're willing to do as an immature mm -mm. adolescent. Because you're the parent. Because you're the parent. Yeah, you don't want to be there. You should be above all that. You know, like, yeah. That's right. So, Kimball, <laughs> this has been so. a great interview. Tell us where we can find you. Follow your stuff. I believe y'all have an Instagram. So tell our listeners where they can connect and get this course, and also get the articles and whatever you might be sharing on Instagram. So our website is empoweringparents.com, and if you're interested in the total transformation, you can sign up right there. Um, it's a dashboard. You subscribe. It's easy to unsubscribe. You don't. We don't make it hard to do all that. You can do that right from your dashboard. Uh, and then we're also on Facebook. Just search for Empowering Parents. 
uh, on Facebook and then on Instagram, the same thing to search for empowering parents and you'll find us on Instagram as well. Great. Yes. I was just looking you up on, on Instagram before the interview started too. And there was some, there's some great stuff. I mean, I just scrolled through real quick and I thought, I love it. Yeah. And we have, we have hundreds of free articles. So the Mm -hmm. best thing to do is come to our site, read some of our articles, sign up for our newsletter. So if you sign up for our newsletter, Mm -hmm. you'll get two or three emails a week, uh, highlighting one of our, one of our articles. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Kimball. All right, here are my key pies takeaways from this episode. Number one, this one gut checked me. We have to model the behaviors to our children that we want them to exhibit. They won't know it unless they see us do it. They are watching us. Your kids are watching you. My kids are watching me. And it really, for me, just brings me back to, especially how much I use my phone and how if I don't want my kids to be on their phone or want to touch my phone, then I need to not be on it as much. We need to model the behavior we want to see. Number two Find the common ground with your spouse. There's so much we can disagree on when it comes to parenting. There's so much that Rob and I disagree on when it comes to parenting. And when we brought our kids home from India, just thinking back and remembering this, it was already a lot to go from a two-person household to a four-person household literally overnight add on top of that, we did not speak the same language as our children. And add on top of that, that we had never been parents like this is, it was so much add on top of that, my husband was working night shift as a police officer. I'm looking back and just wondering how we survived at all. But we also add on top of that, here's the final one, realized that because of our different experiences and upbringing and the way we were parented, we had differing opinions of how to parent. We were trying to figure out so much. And what we really had to learn was where can we find the common ground? Just like Kimball said, where can we find what we agree on? And let's just start there. Let's not focus on what we disagree on. Let's focus on what we agree on. Mm, That's so good. And my third key pies takeaway is that our children are craving connection. We didn't talk about this a whole lot, but I have seen with my kids, and I know many other parents who have seen this with their kids, that when they lean in and really give their children that time and attention that they're craving, that they see a change in the behavior of their kids. Many times children act out because they want attention. They want it from you and they want to feel that they are loved, that they are seen and that they are valued by their mother and by their father. So please make an effort to spend quality time with your kids, not just quality, but quantity. I will remind you again that when my dad did the study for what creates strong families back with uh, back in the 1990s with Dr. Nick Stenay from the University of Alabama, one of the seven principles they found from what made a strong family was the amount of time a family spent together. The more time a family spent together, the stronger the family was. Spend more time with your family. I am talking to myself here too. Spend more time away from work away from devices, away from electronics, doing fun things, having conversations and talking with your family. 
please make it a priority. One of the things that we do to make this happen is when we go out for family dinners we or family lunches or whenever we're out at a restaurant or somewhere, we always make it a point to talk to our children. We don't allow devices. Our kids are not allowed on our phones. They do not have tablets. They, they aren't allowed to use them at all. And we've never, even when we're driving, even when we're going to the beach, we talk, we play games, we color, we, we do things together instead of just trying to soothe our kids by putting screens in front of them. And what we have found is children adapt to what they're used to. And if they're used to talking, sitting, being quiet, listening, just being alone with their thoughts, then that's enough. Yes, they still ask for my phone all the time. Yes, they have asked for iPads, but we simply say, no, that is the one thing we, I feel like we have done right, at least up to this point. So I want to encourage you to consider what that could look like for your family to do something that really shows your children. We value family time and we're going to show you you're important by paying attention to you, talking to you and spending time with you. Also, Kimball has given us a coupon code for any of the listeners who want to join his Total Transformation Parenting program. You can find that coupon code and the link to join the program in the show notes below where you're watching. See you next week. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Remember to follow It Starts With Attraction anywhere you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. The more positive reviews we get, the more positive change we can make for relationships and for individuals around the world. For show notes, updates, and the opportunity to join our email list for encouraging weekly strategies for you to become the best that you can be in all areas of your pies, go to piesuniversity.com. Again, that is piesuniversity.com. Keep working on your pies and always remember it starts with attraction. Thank you.